Hello, everyone. I am uh, Claudio Murgan, the host of the Spiritually Inspired Podcast, and uh, my guest uh, today is uh, Susan Raven. Susan is a singer, songwriter, author, and speaker. She's also a longtime student of anthroposophy and an experienced workshop facilitator. She has worked with the exercises prescribed by Rudolf Steiner for seeing into the supersensible realms and has trained with Dorian Schmidt, director of the Biodynamic Research Institute in methods of supersensible perception. Susan has spent the last 16 years living in the remote hills of mid Wales, deepening her understanding of the elemental kingdom and gradually developing the faculty for perceiving this formative world and its inhabitants. In her work, she speaks openly of her transformative experiences and she has introduced spiritual scientific concepts of the etheric world to many people over the years. She's also the author of the book, Nature Spirits, The Remembrance, A Guide to the Elemental Kingdom. Um, Susan, thank you very much for, uh, for joining me today. You're welcome. Greetings from Wales. Thank you. I mean, I read your book and uh, I was quite uh, enchanted. Um, and I will um, display uh, the cover uh, later on, but I have it um, here before, because of the reflection. You cannot see it properly. Um, and I will start by asking you a question, which I usually ask my, my guests. Um, what triggered uh, for you the awareness of a spiritual path and how was that transition to a different way of thinking? Well, first of all, I will speak to the elementals of technology and I will say, remain in your right and proper sphere and may there be a clear line of communication between us and the audience. So I think like most people, when we're, when we're children, when we're a child, uh, we feel and we sense the elemental kingdom. We sense that we are being looked at with a benevolence. And we feel this companionship, especially if we're born in the country, we feel this companionship of the trees, the flowers, the plants. And then, of course, we go into our teens and that just fades away for most of us. So going through my teens and my 20s, like a lot of us, we spend our time making splendid mistakes, learning great things by doing stupid things. And then in my 30s, um, I had a, a crisis moment, which of course then led me to anthroposophy. And the minute I began to read Rudolf Steiner's work, it was um, very profound. And I was led to his work with the nature spirits. And uh, I knew the minute I uh, read his lectures called um, Man a Symphony, I knew that this was a path that I had to follow. And I was living in London at the time. And um, then at one point, I decided I could not live in the city anymore. And I had this very, very profound moment. Uh, it was, I cannot live here anymore. I must move. And within 24 hours, I was given uh, the opportunity to move to Wales. 
It's very similar to your um, interview you did with Frederick Lerman when he saw this wonderful painting that took him to the mountain of Rainier. Yes. And from that mountain, he then received a teaching from the genus loci of the area. And it was, it was very, very similar for me. 24 hours later, I was given this opportunity to move to Wales. And so I took it. Yeah, isn't and that beautiful how the universe arranges uh, all these uh, opportunities for us to, to take them? And we have to be aware to, to move forward. Absolutely. And it's usually crisis that really pushes us, a, you know, a really profound crisis. So it's, it's usually one on top of the other. And then you're really at your on your knees and you say, Angel, if you are there, come down and help. You know, put that liar down and come down here and help. And then 24 hours later, I had my help and moved to Mid Wales, the land of the Merlins. And it's still wild here in, the, in Mid Wales. The elemental kingdom is very strong here. And I was almost overwhelmed for coming from the middle of the city to. This, this wild and wonderful place. And uh, I knew that um, Rudolf Steiner's work was really profound. And I also really felt strongly that at this point in our evolution, we really must reconnect with the elemental kingdom. We have to reconnect with the nature spirits. We have to pick up where we are ancient ancestors left off. And um, I wanted to present his work and infuse it with my own in a way that was really accessible for people to read. I mean, did you find the book accessible? Yes, very accessible and um, yeah, easy to, to read. Um, no, no issues, no... Um, hard questions. It's, it's very fluent, which, which right. is amazing. Yes. It's fluent because they, the ele elementals, the whole time I was asking them, how can I present you? How can I create a picture of you that can be accessible to people? Because we're at a point where you could say that Every, nearly every crisis that we're in at the moment as a human race can be traced back to our separation from nature. And it is so important now to, to reconnect with these beings. So my sort of first question to them was, <clears throat> who are you and what are you? How do I describe you? And uh, I'll just take a quotation from, from the book, which is, what is an elemental? And this was the first question. And this came through me over, you know, a period of about a week. And the answer was, an elemental is a nexus of subtly primed consciousness and vitality working at the junction between spirit and matter. It is a constituent part of an ever-evolving, 
life-giving expression of divine creation, working on the front line of physical formation. Each elemental is charged with a specific mission regarding the assemblage, cohesion and animation of physical matter on earth, ranging from the density of a mountain rock to the rarefied heat of a candle flame. They are created and programmed by a sublime hierarchy of advanced consciousness, who over aeons of time developed their life spirit to a point where they can create life itself and give it away. This gift of life radiates down through the octaves of manifestation and condensation and out into infinitesimal elemental parts. An expression from the elementals would sound like this. We know what we must do and we do it. They're like a myriad, <clears throat> myriad points of life. And this was quite profound when this um, explanation came through me. And then I asked, well, what is a nature spirit? And this was much shorter, really. It's, it's a being that oversees an area, a phenomena. For instance, with a tree, you have a dryad, which is a nature spirit of a tree. And it oversees the activity of the earth elementals or the gnomes who are who are looking after the solid matter of the roots and the trunk. And then you have the undines that are uh, taking care of the sap going up the tree. And then you have the sylphs which are hovering around the blossom. And then the fire spirits, the salamanders, they are responsible for the generative warmth, which then <clears throat> creates the fruit. And so a nature spirit, it's, it, it's a huge subject, a nature spirit. You can have like a genus loci, which is spirit of place. Um, I've recently moved to a, a new area further west into Wales. And the first task was to introduce myself to the genus loci of the area. Hello, I am a re representative of the human kingdom and my name is Susan and I've come here to serve. What can I do for you? And it was a very, very still hot day. We had a, a heat wave last August and, and it, an exquisite breeze just came off the lake, you know, and it was such a, a wonderful greeting and embrace, beautiful embrace. <clears throat> and... For instance, I now am being shown what my task is in this new place. I live in this valley, which has many, many lead mines. And this land is tired. It's been abused. There's a thoughtlessness. There is greed. There is avarice. There is sorrow in the very rocks of part of this valley. And lead has been mined in this area since the Roman times. 
but especially during the Victorian times. And uh, young children were sent down the mines. And so there is this sorrow. And of course, working with lead, there is mental health issues afterwards. So you, my task, for instance, is working with this genus, genus loco, what can I do? And slowly but surely, I'm being shown what to do. I'm being pointed to different places where all the energy is stuck. In previous times, the genus loci has sent me to a stream that has been blocked up with dead lambs, or it has <clears throat> pointed me to um, a place where a car has been dumped in a stream, or so. I'm given a task, and my particular task at this moment is doing what I can with these lead mines, and that's working with the gnomes and the uh, the spirits of metal and rock. With this thoughtlessness, these mines have been left open. There's this flapping openness. Nothing has been... There's been no closure, there's been no gratitude, there's no thank you for these great gifts that you have given us. So that's been my task with friends, is to bring closure and to give thanks for the, the, the gifts from the mines. Uh, Yes, it's, it's, it's very, very moving. And also working with biodynamic preparations, I'm not sure whether you're um, familiar with biodynamic gardening and agriculture. This is brought through by Rudolf Steiner. It's a, a holistic form of farming that works not only on the physical, but also on the etheric. And he gave indications of making these highly potentized um, minerals and um, manures, which were dynamized, that means they're spun in water clockwise and anti-clockwise for an hour, so that this becomes a real healing medicine for the elemental kingdom. And so that's what I've started to do around these mines, is to begin to um, dynamize and spray these healing medicines. So that's that's a that's an example of how to to um, to introduce yourself to the community of nature spirits in your area. Is how can I serve? And lots of people say to me, "Well, it's fine for you. You're out in the wilds of Wales. What about me in my city?" But there's elementals everywhere. There's elementals and um, nature spirits holding up ancient buildings and new buildings. Um, they're there, they've, they're enchanted into form. And they're, they're holding these buildings up and they're holding the city. And there's an angel of a city, like an angel of London. And you can go to parks or, or areas of congregation and take a feather, a stone, a leaf, and create a, a shrine in your flat or on your balcony. 
and connect in with the genus loci or the angel of your city through these, these phenomena. And then after a while, you can then return them to the land. But this is a way of introducing yourself and uh, working with, with the, uh, the nature spirits of whatever area you're in. Yes, beautiful uh, work you've been assigned to. And um, in fact, um, I did apply this um, <clears throat> type of um, uh, thankfulness uh, when we moved to Panama. It was a new land for us. And uh, for a short while, we lived there. And then I wanted to um, ask for permission to, to step on that land and uh, gave gratitude for the land embracing us because we're newcomers. We didn't know anything about the spirit yeah. of the land. So I did the same when I stepped into the rainforest and I did the same when I uh, walked on the top of the volcano. I left an offering and thanking um, and to provide thanks for uh, allowing us to, to get thus far on, on, that, uh, on the mountain, on the volcano. And going to one of your points, uh, when you mentioned that we are disconnected from, from nature, I think our perception is that nature or the elements of nature are disconnected from themselves as well. So we don't see necessarily a connection between the mountain and the river or the mountain and the forest. We still think they are separate entities. And that deepens the the abyss between us and nature and between us and ourselves pretty much because we are supposed to be nature it's in our side of ourselves so <clears throat> that will lead me into what i wanted to to read um uh, lyrics from uh, your song behind uh, your eyes which is included mm -hmm. in the uh, glittering cities i found you on your knees you are praying for release from the city. I feel your pity. And it comes as no surprise. I can see it in your eyes that you are waiting. You are praying. Your journey is long, but you will be strong in the world behind your eyes. So I think we are, most of us are trapped into the city without knowing how to get out and without understanding that it is a journey between behind the closed eyes mm -hmm. and that was beautiful i mean it was just unbelievable moving for me to to listen to your song it's a long time since i've sung that song <laughs> i've <laughs> had so many new songs since i've written that song so it's great to be taken back to that song and that was written on uh, really at that point just as i was about to leave to leave london and I love London. I mean, I think it's it's a tremendous city. It's an incredible city. And I met amazing people from all over the world, which I wouldn't do in the uplands of, of Wales. But it was a great time for my um, the musical branch of my career. But going back to this, to the oneness and the, the separation, it's so deep. There's a deep and profound trauma that's under everything, uh, under all our discontent, and that is this separation. Because everything in a nature is in telepathic communication with everything else. Everything is in this sea of attentiveness. Everything is attentive 
to everything else apart from us, of course. Everything knows what's going on except us. And in a way, it was our karma really to separate away from the, 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 the group soul and this um, almost dreamlike clairvoyance we had in the ancient times. In a way, we had to separate to, to learn to be individuals and to develop the in intellect, but it's now gone too far. And the intellect really now needs to be shot through with this shimmer of um, reverence and, um, you know, the heart, heart forces, speaking and thinking with the heart, the, 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 thought, the, the thoughts that come from the heart, and also to really develop feeling. So, of course, um, clever and um, bright thinking is so reverenced, but now we really have to um, develop our feeling capacities. And learning about the elemental kingdom is a great way of understanding this concept of oneness. Because we have a body elemental we are made up of elementals. We, uh, we are, so much of us is water, the undines and the breath that comes into our lungs and the larynx is very much overseen by the air spirits as we form sound, whether it's through song or words. And, uh, If we think about our aura, so very, very few of us think about our aura or work with our aura. Obviously, those who are doing Tai Chi and Qigong and exercises like that. But it's a way of connecting with the elemental kingdom. It's uh, um, the physical matter then going out and really, really feeling these myriad points of life. And we're just a nature spirit too. We are a nature spirit in this sea of attentiveness, mm -hmm. but we've forgotten how to be attentive. And um, <clears throat> this is why it's so important to go back into nature. I'm just going to give a small exercise for, for your audience, and maybe you can do it. It might be difficult a bit with your headphones on, but it's to honour your own elemental that each human has a body elemental, and this elemental is the intelligence of our body. It's looking after all the functions that we can't have in our consciousness because it would be too much to hold. But this is a great way of honoring your um, body elemental. And it then, in a way, this exercise triggers your ability to feel the elementals around you. So it starts off with the prayer sign, you put your fingers right in the, in the nape of your neck and slowly but surely come down, touching your nose and your face. Stop at the heart, press the hands down, and feel yourself that direction going down into the earth. 
So you've now honored your body, body elemental. That's a, a, a strong and beautiful exercise that was created by Marco Pogajnik. I don't know whether you've heard of Marco Pogajnik. He's one of my teachers, <clears throat> very, very advanced seer, and he has many wonderful exercises. That's one I use quite a lot. So you might feel that, that there's this sort of shimmer when you've done this a few times, you can feel a shimmer around your body and it helps you sense the um, elementals around you. So going back to this separation and oneness, the elementals, if we feel that we're made of elementals and everything around us is, it's like a sort of connective uh, a living connective tissue or a living connective matrix. And uh, it's a radiant, intelligent space. And it's go almost like speaking to yourself and saying, may I go back to a child? May I be childlike again to feel this companionship with the flowers? this companionship with the trees and feel the um, this uh, being watched with a benevolent attitude. And if we acknowledge the divinity in ourself, we, we then begin to see the divinity in everything else. Um, one of the, the strongest messages I've had from the elementals over the years is what brings sorrow and um, almost aversion from them is uh, negative self-talk, mm. the inner bully, the um, self-sabotage. It creates a cloud and a cloud around us. And one of I don't see see them all to, all the time. I mean, my teacher Dorian Schmidt, he has to turn it off. I mean, he, he can drive his car and see the fire spirits coming out of the engine. Um, <clears throat> but one of the one of the really profound times I've had with the elementals was going for a walk and being very very angry with myself because I'd made a similar mistake again and again. <laughs> I was really angry and I just slipped through into their world and they just went. It's like we create this stench and clamor and mist around us when we are not honoring ourselves. And where was I? Yeah. And <clears throat> So we, we look to others to validate us and to praise us. And in fact, we have to summon this um, self-worth within us. And part of that is really through meditation and working with the I am presence, this I am presence that is within us. That is the part of us that can sustain self-worth. Because why would we be alive if we were not worthy? Yes, <clears throat> and we have to be aware enough to catch ourselves before making that mistake 
so that yeah. stench doesn't happen. Exactly. Um, because the, um, as I say, there's this wonderful, ancient, watchful benevolence from the older nature spirits. And um, the, ele the elementals are sort of in this um, highly conductive state. They're in this constant state of um, movement and streaming. Rudolf Steiner had this beautiful phrase. He said, the elemental kingdom is the last reverberation of the cosmic creative word that underlies all existence. They are that last, last um, breath before it drops down into the physical, between the in-breath and the out-breath, the implicit and the explicit. It's just at that, um, that edge. And another very profound um, experience to underline this business of the self-worth and what the the elemental kingdom and the, the earth is sighing and waiting for, for us to grow into our magnificence. I was invited to give a talk at a, at a conference about nature spirits. And before the conference, I sent into sleep the question, what do you want me to talk about? What is the subject? You send it into sleep. And over the next few days in the morning, I was rather hoping that I would go off to this ancient woodland with sort of beautiful 500-year-old oaks that's part of a, um, a manor estate close by. And I was told in very, very clear imagery Go to the landfill, your local landfill site. And that was really, really profound. I spent an afternoon in a landfill site, sitting in amongst the tins, the diapers, the just the detritus of human activity. And the trucks came in, it was, it was a, a particular time, and they discharged all their um, rubbish. And it created this form of a goddess lying on the ground, the shape of a female. And, And what came from this shape was myself lies lamenting on the ground. And I asked this being that had just been created there by all the, all the rubbish, how do you, what are you, what's your connection with humanity? And she said, I am um, the result of uh, a chronic epidemic of self-sabotage. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> so that was, again, this really strong lesson about um, 
loving who we are and and um, summoning this self-worth in ourselves. But also it was a great um, experience to see how nature supports landfill because this is where we are in our um, stage of evolution. I'm sure there are technologies that exist or they're very close. They're coming down the pike where all this detritus can be rearranged. It can, the electrons, the molecules, there'll be a way of um, just reforming all this. But while we wait, nature, it's like all the hills around this uh, um, landfill were leaning in and supporting this landfill valley. They were leaning in and these clever little willow trees that were just growing out of all the leach water. I mean, nature is so strong. And they were laughing and we can grow anywhere. And even the men who were working in the, um, in the site, they had very good attitude. They were just doing the best that they could. There was a young guy with a forklift truck that was just spinning all this strawberry um, netting brilliantly into the tightest, most compact way he could before putting it into the landfill. So very, very interesting um, experience with um, the being of this sort of what I was really um quite um, astonished that I had to go to this place, but I came away with hope. <clears throat> that's, that's very interesting um, that you were sent to, uh, let's say a deplorable space, but in the end you understood the, uh, the hope that there is there and mm -hmm. how the, the place will be transformed in time by nature itself. Yeah, it will be. Nature, all these hills, I mean, these, these sort of hill spirits were all leaning in and just supporting this place. But what was the surprising thing? It was the human attitude in it. If, he, if these boys and, and the guys that ran this place were laughing and joking and doing the best they could, and that has such powerful substance the human being doing the best they can with what they have. Um, and that was, that was the thing that really opened my heart that, um, you know, they could be in sorrow, they could be in depression, they could hate the place, but they were just doing the best. <clears throat> so um, shall, shall I go through the uh, the different elements and, and, and the different... Yes, um, please. Yes, I was yeah. getting there. Perfect. Yeah, okay. So first of all, I'll just run very quickly through the... Uh, what I describe as the super sensible realm and what anthroposophy describes as the super sensible realm, the, the spiritual realm and how it's um, described. So of course we have the physical realm, 
what is it? What do I see? What is there? And then we have the etheric realm and the ether. This is where the elemental kingdom are. Um, This is, how is it? How do you live? It's about shimmer and color and aura. It's about this shaping force. It's about movement, streaming, flowering, gesture, color. Because matter doesn't create form. It fills the contours created by invisible forces. So what do I mean by that? What's a word picture I can give to to really show that? So, for instance, you have a seed underground, and that's overseen by the gnomes or the earth spirits. They're like the midwives of seeds. And when it's time to germinate, there is this um, reverberation that goes through to the undines or the water spirits. And they create a dream above the earth where the seed is. And you've often heard in the shamanic traditions entering the dream of a plant. And it's very much the the undines and the water spirits that are overseeing this, this dream the dream of what the plant will be. And so the seed germinates and it moves into this space and um, fills the contours of the dream of what it is supposed to be. And this is not a static, it's we have the hierarchy or the genus of the plant, let's say the genus of the oak tree the imagination, the ideal. It's not a a, a straight down static thing, otherwise the whole of nature would be like stalactites. There's so many things um, in the shaping force, the movement of the planets and their effect on the ether, weather, and of course, our thinking, feeling and willing. So we have, um, <clears throat> we then move on to the astral realm, which is very much um, to do with our thinking, feeling, and willing. So in the astral, you would say, who are you? How do you feel? Vast spaces, beings, being watched. Um, this is the realm of the the higher nature spirits, the angelic forces. And then you move up to the highest, which is the I am, the ideal, the the great imagination of Earth's um, phenomena. And all the the plants and all the elementals are They're listening to something. They're like satellite dishes. They are listening. They're listening to this song of creation and what is being sung, what words are being sung in this song of creation. And, of course, we have the sphere of God-made truth and we have the sphere of man-made illness. And... 
the nature spirits and the elementals are in between and influenced by both the God-made truth and the, the man-made confusion, let's say. And of course, at the moment, we have um, an almost constant flow of propaganda that's designed to bring about anxiety. And of course, that hits the morphic field. So that can um, affect the, the plant life and, and life on Earth. But Rudolf Steiner says, and we, I think we can all feel this, there are new, there are some new elementals flowing into the earth at the moment. He calls them the Christ elementals. And uh, these, some people called it the, the ascension, the, um, the carbon to crystalline. But this process from carbon to crystalline is through these new elementals coming in, gating in through the sun at the moment. So how is it affecting it and these um, <clears throat> and, and the different elementals? So let's go back again to the um, the earth elementals, the uh, or the gnomes. Sometimes I wish we had new names hmm. because. You know, we have the sort of romantic Victorian idea of the gnomes and you go to the garden centre and these. <laughs> yeah, indeed. But, but it just shows that they're not going to go away. And if they're going to be in a plastic gnome in a garden centre, that's where they'll be <laughs> in our consciousness or in our culture. But the gnomes... The, and, and the earth spirits, they are the beings that, as I said, they are the midwives of seeds. They hold the, uh, the solid structures of, of, of the earth. The, so, the rocks and the solid structures, they fall the farthest and the hardest. Let's take something like silica or quartz. Rudolstani describes quartz as an aristocrat in the universe. And in its ideal form, in its plasma, it is the one of the grandest, most shimmering um, aeriform substances. But it has fallen very, very uh, fallen the farthest down into earth and there's like the eyes of heaven in our in the earth these great crystals mm -hmm. these capacitors <clears throat> and the gnomes um <clears throat> are there receiving um receiving the the starry script the movement of the planets and, and it trickles down through the plant and they hold this in the earth uh, they're also the intelligence of the earth. They hold their substance. They're actually made of intelligence. And that's why we see in many of the <clears throat> children's books that they have large heads. You know, there's great truth in the cartoons and, <clears throat> and the fairy tales. So they are the intelligence of the earth. That's their substance. And I then described how they pass on 
the message, the undines. And the undines are all about the dream of the plant. They're about dreaming. Um, they're about emotion. And that's why we have these, um, when we are very emotional, we produce water, we have tears. So these beings, these um, water spirits are very, very much about um, emotion and dreaming. And they work with the sylphs, which are the air spirits. And, they and the working between the water spirits, the water elementals and the air elementals is this incredible chemistry, the photosynthesis of light and water in the leaf. And they're holding the wisdom of the original idea of the plant and they are holding it in place. And then we come to the fire spirits, which are about generative warmth. One of the most, going back to the sylphs, one of the most profound um, experiences I had with the, the sylphs, I find it, and I'm sure you do too, many of your audience will, how um, distressing it is to see the chemtrails. Yes. This exquisite deep blue crisscrossed with this impure and unclean performance up there. Um, I remember <clears throat> observing this one day and then I saw a flock of birds just move across the sky. And it's the sylphs that were captured in the components of the chemtrails were released and freed by the birds because the birds just flew through the air and spun the air back into its correct sphere. And all those elementals that were trapped in the in the chemtrails were released and reminded of their true mission because of this signature in the air that the birds create. Yeah, and the chemtrails affect all the elements in the end uh, mm -hmm. because they will fall on the earth and they will affect <clears throat> everyone. Mm -hmm. That's uh, the sad part. And yeah. I think this is information which should be um, teaching school, uh, should be taught in school. And, uh, you know, uh, kids should understand these elements and should be should be spending more time in, in nature and um, take the, the quiet time to get the feedback from from nature. But this is not something I think that will happen uh, anytime soon, because the school system is totally unbalanced. They, they are looking at other type of values, if we can call values what they have in mind. Mm -hmm. um, and I think we need a societal res reset at one point from somewhere in order to, um, to go back into what's normal for us and the connection with, with nature. Yes, I mean, the Waldorf schools, the Steiner schools, 
Um, there was one um, <clears throat> workshop participant, a, a lady who came to one of my workshops, and she works in the kindergarten. And she has this earthenware pot by the door so that when they have break time, they take a handful of porridge and give it to the gnomes under the trees, <laughs> just keeping it alive. And, you know, and a lot of the Waldorf school, they do, <clears throat> they do teach, I think, in the kindergarten, kindergarten about the nature spirits and then later on in the higher school about the etheric, the astral and um, the invisible realms. And I do find that a lot of the children that come through Waldorf school, they really know who they are. They, they're not shy of... Um, uh, of of who they are and um they really look you right in the eye and um and they're happy to debate that's one thing that has disappeared from our world is proper mm. debate <laughs> exactly <clears throat> yeah being afraid of repercussions and backlash and you know all that mm -hmm. things because <clears throat> we cannot express an opinion in a normal common sense civilized way because what we expect is a rash answer not a thought um well thought answer that's the problem and i think it it's you can see that at every single level of, of society unfortunately mm -hmm. and one of the really key things i think to um keep alive in a child is is how to look at things the, the, the way of looking at the moment, it's to weigh, to measure, to quantify, to put into a spreadsheet, to um, beings are turned into commodities and they lose their beingness. Um, nature is resource and we really need to teach children and ourselves a new way of looking and a great exercise to do when, even when you're driving in the car or, or when you're walking is to look in a different way because we don't really know the true power of the human gaze. It has great substance, the gaze. It's like a fingertip touching at the end of this gaze. And if we begin to gaze at things with a softness, like touching the baby's head, this softness, I see you, apple tree, I see you, um, daffodil, with this caress almost. Um, and it's then sending out this thread of attentiveness from the heart, not just the eyes, you're touching with the heart. You send out this thread of attentiveness and touch the other and allow the other to speak to you through this shimmering thread, really. Yes. So the new way of looking with not only the eyes, the soft eyes, but also with the heart. And, <clears throat> you know, we metabolize what we see. And our body elemental, I mean, if we see lots of aggressive and violent films, or when you're in a really crowded airport, 
your body elemental. It's like, how do I metabolize this? How do I protect my my human being from metabolizing this? So that's another thing. It's great for your your body elemental and your body is to um, this opening of the heart and becoming attentive in the sea of attentiveness. And there's special activity on borders, um, the borders between a field and a wood, the sea and the land. That, that These are places where the, um, the elementals and nature spirits are really active, or between rocks and a stream. That, those are, are really um, highly charged, especially the waterfalls. And uh, <clears throat> through our looking, it's what no, what can I take from you, but what can I give? Yes. Yeah. Susan, I always wonder what happens with the souls of the plants and trees in a deforested uh, area. Do they linger in the same place for a long time? Do they move on? Do you know? Well, we have um, the sort of monoculture of the fir trees, like many, many places. And when they're felled, it is devastating. However, this this cash crop of trees has been going on for many years. So it's almost like the genus of the tree knows what's coming because Mm -hmm. so much has happened before. But again, there is there's sorrow in the land. There's definitely sorrow in the land. And it's is it my sorrow? Is it their sorrow? We have to be careful not to project our um, human ideas and with something like that. You have to really unknow something and clear your bias. When you go into um, a chopped forest or, or a hill that's just been denuded of some fir trees for a cash crop. I think it's rather than the trees, it's the land itself that is um, sorrowful because it remembers having um, a mixed deciduous landscape. But some of the old trees that are um, that are chopped, yes, there is still the uh, the dryad is still there. It can be there. Um, unfortunately, we have uh, a policy here in Wales where they are supporting rehedging, and so they're cutting down a lot of these ancient hawthorns, and that hurts. That <laughs> really hurts seeing that as a human being, these ancient um, hawthorns, because they're so supportive for the bees with their blossom and they're such exquisite trees. But I remember connecting with an old hawthorn and uh, she said, I'll grow again. My roots are strong. I will grow again, cut and come again.
So I think that answers your question. But yes, the um, the denuding of the ancient deciduous woods, there is definitely sorrow in the memory. And of course, the, the gnomes and the earth spirits are those beings that hold the memory of place. The... Um, <clears throat> And uh, there's there's great memory in these huge rocks because we're quite high up here. There's these ancient rocks, and they're so good for, as I said, the 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 earth spirits, the gnomes are known. Their substance is intelligence. So when you place your um, your head and your forehead against a really ancient rock, it's like a fomentation. It's like, I will take away your confused thinking. And often their question to me would be, enter my time, my sense of time. And you go into their sense of time, which just, it's such a vast, vast landscape of time. So cash crops, <laughs> you don't see the, the rocks upset because a cash crop has been for 20 years and it leaves. Uh, and also, that's a, a very good question to be asking the, the elementals or, or the trees is, may I enter your time? Please let me know and feel your time because that can be incredibly healing. Because trees have a heartbeat. It's like every two hours, most trees, there's this, and it's the sap moving mm -hmm. and it's quite regular every two hours. And you think that's their heartbeat every two hours and mine's every few seconds, you know, let me enter your time, great oak. Beautiful. Susan, I would like to read another quote from, from your book. Mm -hmm. We can take our predestined place as wise, conscious co-creators of our environment only if we evolve away from destructive, fear-based, scarcity consciousness perpetuated by oppressive corporate policy, immoral banking practices, and politically manipulated media coverage of em environmental events. So do you think, what do you think has to happen in order for this type of conscious evolution to, to take place in our lifetime? Oh, what a huge question. <clears throat> well, we've already, we have touched on it and you've touched on it. There has to be a new way of teaching children. And there has, unfortunately, there has to be huge crisis which we're going into at full pelt at the moment there has to be this sort of huge crisis and i think in a lot of the legends a lot of the seers a lot of the philosophers talk about this splitting of humanity and the upward path of evolution, where we grow into these 
ever more advanced and more loving beings and lighter beings, this carbon to crystalline. Uh, and then there are splits off those who cannot go on this um, ascension path, who move down into further legislation, further, um, as Stanley puts it, being welded to technology. And he very clearly said in 2016, it's not a case of if humanity will be welded to technology, it's when they are welded to technology and how and um, how this technology is used. But we live in, we live on a planet and we live in a civilization of duality as heavy and as dark as it gets one end, it has to be the equal opposite on the other side. And there is a huge awakening at the moment. And there is a new light and new elementals and uh, a new awakening that is coming in at the moment. And there are lots of grassroots initiatives that are happening for instance there's one here in <clears throat> in England and Wales called uh, the um, the people's food and farming alliance where um, small holdings and small farmers are coming together and producing food for their community and it's taking off like wildfire it's like let's have safe food because one of the really key things behind biodynamic farming that Rudolf Steiner brought in was we need food to raise our consciousness. Nutrition and the right food yeah. is what will take us. And of course, so many people, so here's what part of the answer to your question is that there has to be a change in agriculture. There has to be, and of course, things like organic and especially biodynamic farming, which is about farming with the, um, taking note of the movement of the wider cosmos. It's an holistic kind of farming, and it's also about honoring the, um, the organ of the farm, the, the personality of the farm, the nature spirits of the farm. So there are lots and lots of little initiatives, I think, that are going on that will grow out of necessity. And a lot of people are pulling their children out of school and homeschooling. Yes, that's very important. That's it's really important. sends a message to the government, to the school boards, yeah. to everyone involved in the education process, for sure. Yeah. And... Because the because it has been so grave, the um, the impurity, the impure and unclean and almost vicious attack on humans, especially recently, it's so severe. It is waking people up, and it is sparking the equal and opposite on the other side, this duality. The solutions are coming fast because the problems are so grave. Yes. And it's almost that it had to be this grave for these solutions. And then we find what we can do with our imagination. 
and uh, thinking in pictures. I mean, another thing Rudolf Steiner pointed out is that some of the higher nature spirits will be um, retreating from the earth and human beings will be taking on their tasks. And we can see that with this whole sort of cultural law of attraction, um, create your own reality, visualization, imagine, imagine it into being. And this the gravity of where we are is really sparking people's imagination. Yes, what we can call quantum manifestation, pretty much. Exactly, quantum yeah. man manifestation. And if we are going to be doing, we are going to have the responsibility of um, create your own reality. Part of that creating is truly understanding how the elemental kingdom and the nature spirits, how to uh, connect with them and how to work with them. For instance, I, I recently did a uh, experiment work looking into the uh, problems with ash dieback disease. Now, there's an awful lot that's been um, <clears throat> talked about this disease, written about this disease, but nobody's talked to the disease itself. So a group of us summoned and talked to the disease. Summoned the being of the disease. There is a being of that disease, and it was created by us. We created the conditions for it to manifest. And part of it was the huge um, amount of lying especially in the in in the past 20 years with the 20 30 years with the internet a lie can spin round you can spin round the uh, the the world in seconds and huge thought forms of untruth impure and unclean information tremendous lies and they sit in the morphic field of the earth and so if you uh, have a confluence of something like a density of lies and with this particular disease, a huge amount of wet weather with um, full moons, i.e. so that the water element is um, amplified. Also the position of Saturn in its 30 year um, rotation all these things came as a, as a, um, a into confluence and sort of kicked off this disease in a, in a in a very severe way here in Britain. But <clears throat> we need to learn a vocabulary, and it's a vocabulary of symbol, feeling, sensing, color and using the whole body as an instrument of diagnosis to really go into the problems that we have, because every problem we have is a being. We have to see things in the language of beings. Uh, we just started looking into TB, the animal TB, 
And a lot of that is to do with profound sorrow mm-hmm. and, and, and the way the animals are being kept and um, the way the animals are being treated. So TB, the being of TB, it's neither evil or good. It's You've created the conditions in the astral, spiritual realms for me to manifest here in the physical. And... <clears throat> But then, of course, you can get some of the answers of why a disease is created. But how do you change the the social and economic conditions to um, ensure that that space for that disease is closed up? And as you, that was the question you posed me. Posed to me. So let's we're say, working on it. We're working on it. <laughs> so if if a tree is affected by a disease, can we endure that disease, or there is nothing else that can be done? Well, there are certain things we've done. Yeah. For instance, with um, the ash dieback, as I said, that was an excess of water. Um, <clears throat> the uh, the fun the um, the pathogen moved out of its right and proper sphere in the earth and, and and it came up into a sphere where it should not be. Um, <clears throat> so you can use things like biodynamic preparation, um, pre- preparations like equisetum, which is full of silica. Mm-hmm. So that helps to put light in. Um, <clears throat> you can slow the disease, but it's very, it's a very severe de- disease. And it's also a lot to do with the chemtrails as well. We were, you know, this group of us were asking why are you here and all sorts of reasons why so many diseases are manifesting on Earth. And it's because the pure wisdom in light is being distorted by this aluminium and barium in the sky. So the the the, the true God-made impulse is being distorted the wisdom and light but you know our divinity can penetrate that the divinity of the birds as i said can penetrate that problem and the more we ask the questions and the more we actually as they say stop discussing stuff and talk to stuff instead you know yes let's communicate let's communicate to the source let's communicate with the tree not about the tree yeah it's like in human life if we communicate with each other within a family husband and wife or husband or parents and children uh, we open that channel of communication we release pressure we release uh, and and, uh, understandings or misunderstandings and looks like it's the same with, with nature. We have to, to talk to nature in order to um, open up that channel of communication. Yeah, and it's a very <clears throat> specific language. And that's what I teach in the workshops, is um, working with uh, all, all these different forms of how uh, these beings can connect with us and communicate with us and how we decipher it. You know, how, how do we decipher it? I mean, we may, in meditation, we may get an image and lots of people said, well, I just made that up. I mean, is, is that me or is that the tree? 
and there's various ways that you begin to learn after a while is you push the image away or try and distort it into something else and it snaps back really quickly then you know that's a true image mm. a true image has a lightness and it penetrates in your body and it it, it affects the heart if you get a, um, a, a an image that is rather glamorous, I would say that you use this word glamorous, and you're not sure about it. It's like, what's your mood? Hmm. What's your mood? And um, an impure image or an impure being really doesn't like to be chased with that question of what's your mood, hmm. and they usually sort of move away. Um, and also a true image or a true uh, answer to a question has a giving quality. You feel um, full, You've, but one that is from a, an overactive or feverish imagination takes energy away from you. So you begin to sort of sense it. As I said, you're using your whole body as this instrument of diagnosis. Um, I have a list of for your for your um, audience of some of the uh, protocol for for um, <clears throat> connecting with the elementals. Shall I go through some of those? Yes, with please. You? So, really, with the first the first thing is declaring who you are to nature and the nature beings, and you have to say to yourself, you know. Am I shying away from being observed by a being who knows more about me than I know about myself? Because that's what happens. They can read your entire soul. You can hide nothing from them. So are you prepared? That's one question. Am I shying away from a remembrance that is so deep it will hurt my heart? Am I shying away from the responsibility that this interaction will bring? And that's the main one, because once you begin to connect with these beings, you then realise your responsibility and you can't really unknow it. So you declare, I'm willing to be observed, I'm willing to feel the remembrance, and I'm willing to... Um, sense the responsibility and in time take on the responsibility so you declare that <clears throat> so you, you approach the phenomena you greet you ask permission it's like may I look at you mm. it's sort of good manners may I look at you and prepare yourself for their bandwidth and that we covered that by may I enter your time, your bandwidth. It's really finding this plane of equanimity and composure and stillness. Quiet, I bear within me. I bear within me the forces that make me strong. So it's allowing quiet to permeate all our cells. So you relate to the plant as a living being in its environment. Look at the surroundings, the soil, the relation to water. How does it relate to other plants in the, in the environs? 
introduce yourself and say, I am here to listen. And as I said, plants and trees are like satellite dishes. They are listening. So become, become the plant and become this receiver. Then you can ask your question if you have, if there's something that you're burning to find out. You ask your question and let it go. And another way is spending time with a plant, drawing it. Now, I find this really funny because when I begin to draw a plant, you can just feel it. It just loves being drawn because your eyes are sort of giving it this caress and this touch the whole time. And if you're really connected and you're drawing it, you begin to see these colours, these scintillating whirls of life, this shimmer around the tree. And as I said, this thread of attentiveness begins to um, vibrate between you and the phenomena. The plant is excited for being mm. observed. Yes, loves it, absolutely loves mm. it. Breathing with the plant, that's really the green breath. It's let me breathe you and I will breathe you. Breathe me, breathe you. That's the most beautiful loop of reciprocity. Try not to intend too strongly. This will override perception. Let perception and observation flow into participation. Now they understand gesture very well. So our movement is a language and um, in anthroposophy, we have this uh, form of movement called eurythmy. And there is a particular set of movements that the plants, especially the trees love. And I'm just going to show it to you quite briefly. You got do this, just like a hug. And that's uh, the sound of that movement is ba. And then there's mmm. I think you can all see that okay. So one hand like that, one hand like this. Just moving this substance between each other, this joyful substance. And after a while, you ground that initiative by pressing your hands down like that. So that's very effective. Again, you can feel the, the tree responding to that because that's a language they really understand. Become the other, you and the plant dissolve. Yeah, it's like when the shamans become one with the, the condor or the eagle or the mm. black panther and they run together. Yeah. Yes, you dissolve into the other. I mean, it's a wonderful thing to do with a lake, to dissolve into the lake. It is important before you you do this is 
just really to <clears throat> connect with the I, connect with your I am. So you don't let your consciousness go beyond the point where you can protect it or look after it, basically. There does need to be, and you can um, <clears throat> acknowledge before doing any of this work. There's a lovely um, mantra by Steinig. It's this, more radiant than the sun, purer than the snow, subtler than the ether is the self. The spirit within my heart, I am that self, that self am I. So that really confirms your, your I, and then you do the work so you don't get too lost. I mean, of course, there are elementals that are mischievous, and there's some elementals that are, <clears throat> you know, they're inimical to humans. They they really don't want to be anywhere near hu humans. But if you're working in a forest or a meadow or a field or by the sea, that you won't feel that. So you can present pictures and sensations to the nature spirits in order that they may work with them and return them to you. So, for instance, if you have a difficulty behind your eyes, you, you create this picture of your dilemma or your question. And then you send that picture to them and say, please work with this and give me some clue of how I may work this out, because they work in pictures when you and the plant spirit or you and the phenomenon, it can be a waterfall or rock. When you fi finished your dialogue, it's always to say thank you and bring a closure so that there is that thread is not being sort of left flapping. <clears throat> there are, of course, elementals that are enchanted into that which is inimical of life, inimical to life. We've covered chemtrails. There are elementals that are enchanted and forced to do time. It is doing time in a in a, a mast, you know. <clears throat> but we're in this stage of evolution. They they are sort of trapped between the joy of giving and the sorrow of form. But when we pass. Uh, you know, these great masts, these phone masts is, you know, thank you for your service. I give thanks and I am grateful for the service that I am able to talk to someone when I need to because of you. <clears throat> it's because they have been sidelined and cordoned off from our culture. They've been left in limbo that they're kind of losing their beingness. Mm -hmm. But if we acknowledge them, their beingness is flowers, um, a beautiful uh, quote by Rudolf Steiner is, especially in, in when you go out into the, the meadows and the forests, is yielding to beauty brings forth pious devotion to infinity. 
beautiful. It is so beautiful, isn't it? And Mm. when we yield ourselves to the beauty, and you're almost yielding even when you go past the phone phone mask, you're yielding yourself in gratitude for what they're doing for us. And with his incredible seership and his scientific training, he was able to speak with such precision about how these beings are... worked in the supersensible realms. And he said, when we, after this yielding, when we yield to beauty, we free them from their enchantment so that there's much more of a flow. Mm-hmm. And that's something that everyone can do every day. And we've covered that with the way of looking and this meditative yielding. Interesting. Very interesting. Susan, uh, this it's been an amazing conversation. Um, we're approaching uh, the end of the interview. Any final thoughts? Remember when you were a child? Remember when you were looked at with great benevolence? Remember those companions? They're still there reintroduce yourself the nature spirits are waiting for us and they will embrace us so go out and embrace them so in other words remember our we have to remember our innocence and yes. that will take us there yes remember our innocence and um I do give workshops, and uh, if you go onto my website, uh, I'll be putting up this year's workshops. There's two at the moment. There are many in Britain. I have tried doing them online, and it doesn't work. Unfortunately, you have to to be in situ for these workshops. I'm also a singer and songwriter, and... uh, My songs are on YouTube, so please go and see them. The two latest ones are called uh, Ride the Storm, which is very current because we are certainly riding a storm at the moment. And Waves Waves of Grace is the most recent one, which is a song which I've sort of pulled from my experiences of being in nature. and, And it gives a real sense of this new wave coming in and to be hopeful and to be positive. There are waves of grace pounding into the earth and we can be enriched and enlivened by these waves, especially when we reconnect with nature and the beings in nature. Yes. Susan, once again, thank you very much for your time, for this fabulous um, conversation. We will post uh, all the information about uh, yourself, your website in the description of uh, the video. Thank you very much. Thank you. And to my um, viewers, thank you for watching. Um, Share it, like it. Uh, Download a free copy of my uh, first book uh, when you visit my website. And until next time, love and gratitude.